sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Thursday Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday. We will have many different angles and breakdowns for everything you need to know for Conference Championship Sunday in the National Football League. Just three football games remaining in this NFL year. Both of the conference title matchups we have on Sunday, the afternoon hours into the evening time in Kansas City, Missouri, inside Arrowhead. And of course, all four teams still in the hunt for a spot in Super Bowl 57, chasing the big one, the Lombardi Trophy as well. We'll break it all down from many different angles from two unique perspectives from both sides for the AFC Championship game coming up in these two hours. We'll hit on college basketball. We'll touch on the ice as well in the National Hockey League and, of course, go around the association. We're with you to 11 a.m. Eastern time, live right here on the grid. Let's start in the NBA. Last night was a big night of rivalries in NBA Rivals Week and reunions and returns across the league. Significant players returning from injury and that was the case last night in Los Angeles for the Lakers against the San Antonio Spurs Anthony Davis back for LA he comes off the bench for the first time in a very long time in his career but he delivers to put this in context the Lakers get the victory 113-104 over San Antonio now the Spurs have been an underdog in pretty much every single one of their games this year but the Lakers have been booked as a dog as well they cover as a seven-point favorite at home last night, winning by nine. It was just the 13th game now for Los Angeles, booked as a favorite this year. Nine of those 13, including last night, happened with Anthony Davis in the lineup. 13 of 49 games only for LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers booked as a favorite this year. That is the immediate impact, certainly from the betting aspect of Anthony Davis and his return for Los Angeles. It was AD's first game since December 16th. He missed the last 20 up until last night for Los Angeles, and he has been sensational this year, averaging north of 27 points per game and 12 boards, a walking double-double, and even off the bench last night. That's what AD returns for Los Angeles. The Lakers' leading score, 21 points, going over his points prop of 19 and a half and finishing with 12 boards as well in just 26 minutes off the bench. Also the debut for Rui Hachimura in that Lakers uniform, 12 points last night for the Lakers off the bench as well. So the supporting cast around LeBron James certainly contributing. LeBron only 20 points last night, did have 11 dimes and nine rebounds, just one board away from a triple-double, but that is what LeBron needs. The health of Anthony Davis, who now, when fully healthy, even off the bench last night, has recorded a double-double in 14 consecutive games for the Lakers. Anthony Davis returns for Los Angeles. Brandon Ingram, B.I., back for New Orleans. The Pelicans last night hosting the Minnesota Timberwolves as a slight 2.5-point, 3-point favorite. 
The return for B.I., not the same for A.D. for Los Angeles. As the Pels go down at home, they lose by 9, 111-102. Minnesota, all five starters in double figures, led by Anthony Edwards. A game-high 37 points. Brandon Ingram played 26 minutes last night and recorded 13 points in his return. He last played on November 25th. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the opening hour of a Thursday live on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Rivalry Week in the NBA returns last night on a Wednesday evening across the association. Anthony Davis back for Los Angeles. The Lakers win and cover at home as a seven-point favorite against the Spurs. Brandon Ingram back for New Orleans. The Pels at home as a slight home favorite against the T-Wolves. They do not win, but at least there is some positivity of having Brandon Ingram back. His last game was on November 25th prior to last night. He's averaging nearly 21 points per game this season. He pretty much averaged 23 points per game over the span of the last three years. But it's not just B.I. that needs to return for New Orleans. Zion has not played since January 2nd. And because of that, the Pels on a slight slide at the moment. They have lost six straight games. They had been booked as an underdog in 12 of their last 15 prior to last night at home in New Orleans. But rivalry week across the NBA as well. A big night in the city of brotherly love as Ben Simmons makes his return to Philadelphia once again as the Brooklyn Nets visit the Philadelphia 76ers. A great game late. The Sixers pull away in the final half minute. James Harden, a huge bucket, and the Sixers win 137-133. Kyrie Irving, a double-double, 30 points, 10 dimes. Joel Embiid was listed as questionable. Now, not entirely efficient from the floor, just 6 of 18, but was a perfect 13 of 13 from the charity stripe last night. A uh, starting high for the Philadelphia 76ers with 26 points, but Tyrese Maxey, the uh, team high for Philadelphia, 27 points off the bench. Rivalry week in the NBA, as I am saying here, and the best rivalry probably right now, thoroughly in the sport, is the Memphis Grizzlies in the Golden State Warriors. Of course, they met up in the postseason last year. Memphis, their second meeting with Golden State. This year, they lost on Christmas Day to Golden State without Steph Curry. Steph back in a big way last night, 34 points before he was ejected for throwing his mouth guard in frustration. This game comes down to the wire. Jordan Poole, the last second game-winning shot under three seconds remaining in the dubs get a 122 120 victory we'll have plenty more around the association later on in this show next up college basketball here on the morning app sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com From the Association to College Hoops, now live right here on a Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Spiz Grizz Network, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday. A huge Wednesday night in college basketball, highlighted perhaps by a game in Pittsburgh between Duquesne and Loyola Chicago. If you do not know what I am talking about right now, stop what you are doing actually after this segment during the commercial break go to social media and look at the uber eats delivery guy that walked onto the court last night between duquesne and loyola chicago to hand somebody 
A McDonald's order, a top five moment this season in college basketball. For the actual significance of the games on the floor, we recap a Wednesday evening in college basketball before looking forward in the zone. As big of a game as it gets in the Big East last night, in stores Connecticut inside Gamble Pavilion. A top 20 tilt, number 19 UConn hosting number 13 Xavier. And it lived up to the billing last night. Xavier goes on the road, picks up their ninth Big East win, a 9-1 record in conference play. The best in the entire league at the moment, 82-79 on the road over the Connecticut Huskies. Xavier winning outright as a 6 and a half point favor the total of 153 and a half was up there and it still goes over that number why because Xavier entered last night as the seventh most efficient offense in all of college basketball according to Kenneth Pomeroy after the 82 on the road against UConn they now have the fourth most efficient offense in all of college basketball they don't defend it very well the 96th worst in the country or the 96th best out of 363 teams but they still get a huge road victory led by Sule Boom the impact transfer from UTEP a team high 21 points last night for Sean Miller's Musketeers so Xavier's ninth win in Big East play they have now covered in seven of them including winning outright in all three Big East games as an underdog but UConn was one of the stories early on in the Big East season, early on in really the entire season of college basketball. A perfect 14-0, absolutely lambasting teams in their first 10-12 games of the year, winning by double digits. Since then, a very different picture for Dan Hurley and the Huskies. They have now lost six of their last eight games. They are way down this board, you will see here, for the odds to win the Big East Conference title outright. Xavier is the favorite plus 115 Marquette just 15 cents behind at plus 130 the Golden Eagles eight and two in Big East play Xavier is nine and one Providence absolutely gets a huge victory last night at home as well against Butler winning by 21 they are eight and two in the conference as well and Creighton is starting to figure the things out as you see there with the third best price it was a chaotic past weekend in college basketball three of the top five teams in the country going down we'll look at number one who is now number three and how they responded in a second but number two in the country Alabama a formidable side in the SEC going on the road to Stark Vegas last night closing as an 11 and a half point favorite from an opening line at 13 in a hook and you could see the line movement was correct a much more competitive game against Mississippi State than maybe initially expected for Nate Oates and the Tide but still a road victory in conference play Alabama a perfect 8-0 in the SEC this year that was their first non-cover they are seven and one against the spread and prior to last night in sec action alabama had won every game by double digits a freshman for the tide is one you need to know the rest of this college basketball season brandon miller has been sensational in his year in tuscaloosa so far houston has two losses we mentioned the chaotic weekend houston went down losing a temple on sunday at home as a 19 point favorite their only other loss this year against the Crimson Tide in non-conference play so how would Kelvin Sampson and the Cougs respond last night with a tough AAC road test in Orlando against UCF well Houston does bounce back 
in a big way. A big victory for the Cougs last night on the road, 82-71 over Central Florida. Houston closed as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. They cover that number, showing the resolve that you would expect from the number three team in the country. They were number one in last week's AP poll. Still the favorites right now to win college basketball's national championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook. A ton of top teams in action last night. Three of the top four, in fact, including in the SEC, Tennessee. The Volunteers have the most efficient defense in all of college basketball. Excuse me, the second most efficient defense. Houston has the most efficient defense. At least that was the case entering last night. Tennessee put that on full display in SEC action at home in Knoxville against Georgia. They hold the Bulldogs to only 41 points, and they score 70 for a 29-point victory. And now because of that performance, the updated defensive efficiency metrics on Ken Palm, Tennessee is that top defense in all of college basketball. They cover as a hefty 16.5-point favorite last night at home in Knoxville against Georgia. In fact, Tennessee has now been a double-digit favorite in six of their eight ACC, or SEC games. Excuse me, They have covered in four of those six games as a double-digit favorite. And last night, the total against UGA was 135.5. Of course, it stays under because Tennessee holds Georgia to 41 points. But that 135 and a hook was the highest SEC total so far this year for the Volunteers. So the four teams in action last night, three of the top four teams in the country, Purdue gets underway tonight against Michigan. But when we look at the top four teams right now, of course, four is that important number in college basketball as well. Everybody trying to get to Houston for this year's Final Four. Purdue is the number one team in the country once again, the fifth time this season. A plus 220 price to reach the Final Four, 10 to 1 to win the national championship. Despite the loss to Temple over the weekend, Houston still remains the favorite to win the men's college basketball national championship right now with a plus 650 number on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Alabama, the second best team in the country, a plus 950 number in the second best price. Tennessee is a little bit further down the board they were 15 to 1 entering last night shave a dollar off that price now 14 to 1 tied for the fifth best odds in the country with Arizona and UCLA Kansas in that four spot at least from the odds perspective despite this three-game losing skid it's KU and UK this weekend the Big 12 SEC challenge between Kansas and Kentucky and the Wildcats under Coach Cal trying to figure things out as well. They have one four straight covering in all four after a very shaky start to this season. The number one team in all the land, the Purdue Boilermakers at home tonight hosting Michigan. A big game for Purdue against the Wolverines as we look at the updated odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Purdue in this basketball game, actually on the road in Ann Arbor, laying five and a half points. The over-under, 135 and a half. So far for Purdue in Big Ten play, 8-1. and one, They have won six straight. They have covered in four of their last six. Michigan has been an underdog in Big Ten play just three times already. 0-3 against the spread as a dog, but all three of those losses just by single digits. So maybe not covering small margins, but still keeping the games 
competitive. Let's talk some women's college basketball as well. The reigning national champs in South Carolina still remain the favorites to win this year's women's college basketball national championship. When you look at the FanDuel Sportsbook, plus 120 there for the Gamecocks. Stanford, the second best price at 4-1. to one. UConn working their way back up at plus 700. And LSU and South Carolina, two teams from the SEC, the only two lone unbeatens left in women's college hoops this year. Ohio State was unbeaten, and then Caitlin Clark went on the road, posted a triple-double with 28 points, 15 dimes, and 10 boards to hand the Buckeyes their first loss of the season. Speaking of UConn, Gino Oriema and his team head to Knoxville tonight against Tennessee, a significant game in women's college hoops, the two most storied programs in all of the sport. It is UConn and Tennessee. The Vols are playing really good basketball after a slow start to the year. And UConn, despite being shorthanded, has responded this season as well. We're back on the morning after with a conference championship preview next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just a few days away from Conference Championship Sunday in the National Football League. The first game up in Philadelphia. The NFC title game between the Eagles and the Niners. Right now, Philly, a two-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under, 46-and-a-half. The nightcap in Arrowhead for a second consecutive year between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back to a Thursday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. We are very pleased to go to Cincinnati now, live right here on this Thursday on TMA, as Sarah Elise joins the show. She's a news and sports anchor for iHeartMedia in Cincinnati, also the in-game host for the Cincinnati Bearcats, all things Cincy here on this Thursday on the morning after. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Hey, thank you for having me. It's an exciting time here in Cincinnati, as you can imagine. I'm sure it is in a very busy time as well. You got to get out to Bengals practice before they start to make their road trip to Kansas City for a second straight year, the AFC Championship game rematch between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Sarah, we have seen tons of line movement on this spread. The Bengals got as high as a two and a half point favorite after the Chiefs opened up as the favorite. Now, it is very, very close. On the money line currently, KC, a slight favorite, Minus 112, despite being the underdog in the point spread, getting one point at home. Sarah, as you start to break this game down, what do you think a key matchup will be come Sunday night in Arrowhead? I think what is most important to know is that both of these teams made it this far for a reason, right? Both are great on special teams, offense, defense. I mean, you've got Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow, two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Obviously, I'm going to take Joe Burrow all day, every day. He's 3-0 and against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, so let's make it 4-0. I think what's important is to uh, stop Travis Kelsey from scoring and uh, make sure our O-line is doing okay. We have a few guys out on the injured list, but as you could tell last weekend in Buffalo against the Bills, that ended up not being a problem. They looked perfect in all four quarters, so I'm definitely taking my Bengals all day for this one. They're heading to the Super Bowl. <laughs> It was a big, big storyline entering last week on the road in Western New York. How would the banged-up O-line protect Joe Burrow 
only one sack, and it looked really good in the ground game as well. But, Sarah, the big question surrounding this game has been the health of Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs back at practice yesterday afternoon for the first time in this conference title week, and Patrick Mahomes was out there. A lot of video shot of Patrick Mahomes during warm-ups, and how did that right ankle look dealing with the high right ankle sprain so Sarah as Cincinnati gets ready for this game how are the Bengals preparing to defend Patrick Mahomes if he is less than 100% healthy yesterday I mean like you said during his press conference he looked good he stepped off the podium and he looked strong he said that he's feeling good he's been going through some rehab and a lot of treatment I actually just did a story um, you know about Pat Mahomes health I think what's going to be fair is to make sure that he's healthy because I don't want anyone saying oh, the Bengals only won because of an unhealthy Pat Mahomes. I want this to be a fair match. And as you have seen in the past, we've beat a healthy Pat Mahomes and, you know, the Chiefs. And I think that uh, hopefully he's feeling good. I think the uh, weather conditions might play a little bit of a factor, you know, with it being as cold as it is. Uh, hopefully his ankle is okay. We never want to cheer on someone's injury. But uh, I think he's going to be doing okay. He said that he was practicing yesterday and and that he's ready to take on Joe Burrow. It was really funny last weekend after uh, the Bengals beat the Buffalo Bills. Pat Mahomes tweeted out the clock. It's like the clock is ticking. I'm ready to take you guys on again. So it's just going to be a really yeah. cool matchup. And I can't wait to be at Arrowhead. I've never been to that stadium before. But, I mean, it's going to be really cold outside. But those guys are going to be on fire. It's going to be fun. An electric atmosphere under the lights at sure, uh, for sure in prime time in Arrowhead yes. in Kansas City on Sunday night. Sarah, you bring up the idea again that in the last year, the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs three consecutive times, of course, including last year's AFC title game in Arrowhead for a berth in Super Bowl 56. Joe Burrow's Bengals, a perfect 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes' mm -hmm. Chiefs in the last year. Sarah, what is the biggest reason that you point to why Cincinnati has had Kansas City's number? I think these guys are gelling so well together. I mean, you've got Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. They've got a beautiful relationship right there. We have a really tough team. We've got a lot of young guys, and we got a lot of guys that are just they're playing really, really well together. They know how to stop, uh, you know, Kansas City's offense. So we have our strong defense, and we've got everyone uh, just working well together. I think it's going to be a really great matchup, and they just they know how to stop these guys. I think definitely making sure that Travis Kelsey's not scoring a bunch of touchdowns. We do love him here in Cincinnati. He's a former Bearcat, but not this weekend. We're putting all that to side. <laughs> A huge travel Sunday for Donna Kelsey as well, having to travel from mm -hmm. Philadelphia for Jason Kelsey, her son, to Travis Kelsey's game in Arrowhead against the Bengals. Last year, of course, we saw She's that AFC mom. championship. She truly is. And following her yeah. travels, some of the best content you will find all around mm -hmm. the NFL postseason. So last year, Sarah, it was the Bengals coming back in the second half against Kansas City. They were down 21 to 10 at the break. They outscored the Chiefs in the second half 14 to 3 to force overtime to then eventually win in walk-off fashion and earn that trip to Super Bowl 56 last year in Los Angeles. How closely do you think this year's AFC title game might resemble last year's? I mean, you know, they always say, well, they've got the home field advantage. That doesn't matter with our Cincinnati Bengals. They've proven that they can beat these beat anybody on the road. I mean, just look at they've beaten the Tampa Bay Bucks on the road, Bills, you know, everyone in our division. So they can prove that they're strong on the road. It doesn't matter that they don't have the home field advantage, you know, even though we should have this weekend. Um, but I don't think that's going to be a factor, you know, 
going into this matchup whatsoever. But um, yeah, they're a second half team. They always find a way to come back. They always find a way to win. Uh, my score prediction, 27 to 24. I do have the Bengals winning. I think it's going to come down to another field goal, just like last season. Boom. Money Mac, Evan McPherson, who was fantastic last year in the postseason, might be trusted yeah. in a big spot once again, 27-24. That was the exact score in overtime last year for the AFC Championship game. And Sarah, that mentality that you share about since... It could be that case once again for a spot in Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix. And that mentality, Sarah, Sarah, that you're describing is really what Joe Burrow brings to the Bengals. He was asked last week before the trip to Buffalo, how does it feel to be an underdog? And Joe Burrow said, I never feel like an underdog. Right now, again, a slight yeah. one-point favorite entering Arrowhead, although the Chiefs have flipped to the money line favorite. So maybe a slight underdog once again. They call him Joe Shiesty for a reason. There's so many nicknames, Sarah, we could use to describe Joe Burrow. So a two-part question for you. What is your favorite Joe Burrow nickname? And how do you describe the presence that Joe Burrow has in these big spots, stepping up with his biggest performances? I mean, the guy is cool, calm, and collected. He is like nothing we've ever seen here in Cincinnati. I've been a Bengals fan my entire life, and I've never seen a team like this before. They are all so confident, and I love that they're all working so well together. I mean, just two, you know, two seasons ago, we had an injured Joe Burrow, and he came back stronger than ever, and he's so tough. Um, I like to call him Joe Burr, and he proved last weekend that he loves to play in the cold temperatures, and that is not a problem for him. So I'm confident with them going to Kansas City this weekend and playing in the 10-degree temperatures at Arrowhead that they're going to be just fine. It was really neat seeing them all roll around, uh, you know, those white uniforms on the snow. A lot of those guys had never played in the snow before. For example, Jamar Chase, before the game started, he goes, I've actually never played in the snow before. And um, I think he had a couple touchdowns, if I remember correctly. So that proved to be not a problem for those guys. Uh, Joe Burrow and the whole team, I mean, they've got this city so lit up. I mean, everything is lit up in orange. There's billboards everywhere that say Who Day. Every bar in the downtown Banks area is having celebrations this weekend. Everyone's in their black and orange constantly. I mean, I've got mine on today. And uh, a lot of people are making the travel this weekend to Kansas City, even though rates are pretty high. It's pretty expensive getting out there. But Bengals fans, they're really dedicated. A lot of diehard people here in Cincinnati. So I love what Joe Burrow has done for our city all together. It's really cool to see. And it feels like the city of Cincinnati is going to feel like that, Sarah, for quite some time. Because as Joe Burrow yes. said, the championship window for the Bengals, his entire career. And as he is quarterback yep. number one, the Bengals will be in contention. We might see Mahomes and Burrow a ton over the next decade plus battling it out for AFC championships. So, Sarah, as you look at the wide receiver core that Joe Burrow gets to throw the football to, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, as good of a trio as you will find around the National Football League. Jamar Chase, the highest receiving yards prop of the Bengals entering Sunday at 82.5. What do you think the offensive plan of attack is for Cincinnati against the Chiefs' defense? Um, I, th I think they might be uh, running the ball a lot, but hopefully uh, Joe Burrow... Uh, has some ballsy throws out there. I, wanna, I like when he uh, throws real far to a Jamar Chase and we can see some action from him. I mean, who's to say, though, we might see another uh, Sam Hubbard touchdown from our defensive end, <laughs> which Certainly was one no. of the coolest things I'd ever seen. Um, you know, number 94 going for 98 yards. Um, I, we'd never seen anything like that. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get with this team, but you know that they're clicking and things are working on all levels. I mean, we saw a perfect performance last weekend, all four quarters from our Cincinnati Bengals. So, 
I think their confidence is up and they've got a lot of support in the stands this Sunday. I'll tell you that a lot of people are starting to head out today and Friday. And I mean, I can't wait to see what this O-line does in uh, Arrowhead. The Bengals' belief in themselves is certainly nothing to be trifled with because they are playing at an all-time level. Back in the AFC Championship game in Arrowhead for a second consecutive season. If the Bengals, like Sarah mentioned, win the AFC title game 27-24, it will be a second straight trip to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57 in Phoenix, Arizona. There are the early look-ahead lines. The Bengals, a slight underdog. But still, very optimistic. Their outlook the rest of the way. Sarah Elise, thank you so much for your time here on the morning after on this Thursday. Have a great rest of your day and enjoy conference title Sunday in Arrowhead. I will. Who day? Who day? That is what they are saying all throughout the streets of Cincinnati. More of the morning after. Up next here, live on Sports Grid. Come back and join us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. January. It's cold outside. It's time to hit the ice. Live right here on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here all across the Sports Grid Network. And now on to the Spiz Grizz as we have some ice advice to talk a little bit of what is happening in the NHL. It is our guy, Pete Jensen, back here on the morning after live on this Thursday. Pete, the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast, doing incredible work for the NHL and NHL.com, joining us here to go around the National Hockey League on this Thursday. So, Pete, as always, we appreciate your time and your insight. Absolutely, Ben. Love jumping on with you. Uh, Love your show. Appreciate the kind words. And how about the Boston Bruins past the halfway point in the season, absolutely dominating the NHL? I mean, we knew that this team would be a likely playoff team, but really, myself included, could have never envisioned this amount of separation between them and the second best team in the league. Pretty crazy. The the Bees right now on a six-game win streak. They have 80 total points this year, by far the best record in the National Hockey League. The next closest, 68 points. The Bees are the only team north of 70, Pete, and they already have 80. That is how good Boston has been this season. We'll talk about the Bruins in just a little bit. But, Pete, a huge showdown last night in Dallas between the Stars, one of the top teams in the Western Conference, and the Carolina Hurricanes trying to, if anybody can, challenge Boston in the East. It goes to overtime, and Carolina gets the victory. 3-2 to two in that extra session over the Dallas Stars. A slight money line favorite. They went outright last night. So, Pete, as you evaluate Carolina in the Eastern Conference and Dallas near the top of the Western Conference, how do you think both of these teams are trending at this point of the season? Carolina is a very strong team despite some really tough injury luck, right? Max Pacioretty missed the whole first half of the season with a torn Achilles, comes back for a couple of games, misses a game here or there, comes back, and all of a sudden another Achilles injury, he's likely done for the season. So that was the guy that mm. I was expecting to maybe put Carolina over the top. Um, they're still, again, the best possession team in the league. So they're probably going to go deep in the playoffs again. We saw them match up with Boston in the playoffs last year in the first round, and Carolina came up on top of that matchup. 
and then lost to the Rangers because they had an injury to Freddie Anderson. And when you mentioned that game last night, Freddie Anderson leaves the game with an injury. He had been unbeatable since coming back from injury. So maybe back to the drawing board. They might have to go and summon Pyotr Kachetkov, their star rookie goalie. Three was too many to carry. But once one of these guys goes down, at least Carolina has that insulation, that backup option. They also have Antti Ranta, who's played big games in his career. And Sebastian Ajo is really heating up for this team. So to answer your question, I still think Carolina is a bit more equipped for a Stanley Cup run than Dallas is. But Dallas has been an outstanding story as well. So, Pete, when you look at these two teams, Dallas, despite the loss last night on home ice, still 65 points and the best record in the Western Conference, yet they had the third best price to win the Western Conference crown at 6-1. to one. It will be difficult, it seems, for the Canes to challenge the Boston Bruins, but playoff hockey, a different beast into of itself, plus 420 right now, the second best price in the Eastern Conference. So, Pete, out of the stars in the Hurricanes, who do you think is a bigger threat to challenge for their conference crown? Uh, to challenge for the conference crown, it's got to be Dallas because uh, of that separation I mentioned uh, earlier and that you alluded to as well. So with Dallas, you look at the other elite teams in the West, you know, some teams we expected to be up there like Edmonton and Vegas. Vegas is reeling a little bit right now. Seattle's been an incredible story in their second season. They look like the Golden Knights from their first season back in, what, 2017-18. That's the type of impact that free agency has had on that Seattle group. That said, I don't know that Seattle has the goaltending to compete for the rest of the regular season with Jake Ottinger and the Dallas Stars. Winnipeg has a glimmer as well because they have an elite goalie in Connor Hellebuck. And don't sleep on Colorado. There's a 10-point gap between Colorado and Dallas right now. But Colorado's Starting to get healthy, getting strong play from both of their goaltenders, Francois and Georgiev, and they still are playing without guys like Kale McCarr, who hopefully will be back soon. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog has been out for what seems like forever. Bowen Byram, a stud from the playoffs last year, hasn't played in a couple of months. But you already start to see with Colorado, and that's like you know a juggernaut from last year. They won the cup. And I right. think that they have an opportunity to make up ground. So don't sleep on the avalanche. Just a couple of guys coming back from injury has an, made an enormous difference, like Valerie Nachuskin, you know, Evan Rodriguez, and all of a sudden uh, the Colorado Avalanche are alive again. The Avs dealing with health throughout the good portion of this season in the NHL, but now Colorado has won six straight games. We'll talk about the Avs a little bit later on. Another overtime game with a final score of 3-2 to two last night. Pete up in Toronto between the Maple Leafs and the Rangers, but the home team victorious this time. 3-2, to two, the victory for the Leafs over the Rangers last night. Pete, Toronto now tied with Carolina with 68 points for the second best record in the Eastern Conference, again, only behind the Boston Bruins. What was your main takeaway last night for matchup between New York and Toronto in that game? It's been pretty incredible the season Mitch Marner has had for Toronto. We always talk about Austin Matthews because he led the league in goals last year. John Tavares makes big money as well. Uh, William Nylander has had uh, better than a point per game season. This is a career year coming of age for him. Uh, seems to be having a full fledged breakout as well. But not many people realize, other than Connor McDavid, Mitch Marner is the second best player in the NHL in terms of most games with at least a point. He's actually right breathing down McDavid's neck, if you could believe it, with all the assists he gets. He's a playmaker. 
and of course scored the big overtime winner last night to dismiss the New York Rangers. Yeah, I think with Toronto, like because the Bruins are in that top spot, it seems like it's going to be a rematch. Toronto and Tampa in the 2-3 spot in the Atlantic Division, which would be great. Uh, you know, get your popcorn ready for that, no doubt. But uh, yeah, with Toronto, to me, it hinges on the state of their defense and if their goalies are healthy. Ilya Samsonov has had a great season. Matt Murray, better than expected as well. But those guys both have injury histories. And I know that Morgan Riley is not producing their top defenseman up to snuff. It's because he was dealing with an injury earlier in the season. So can they peak at the right time? They always seem to peak in the regular season and then they lose in the first round. Can this year be any different? Remains to be seen. Trying to train, change that narrative in Toronto. The Leafs right now, as you see, the third best price to win the Eastern Conference title at plus 550. A team that knows the postseason very well in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. The two-time back-to-back reigning Stanley Cup champs prior to last year when, of course, the Avalanche hoisted Lord Stanley's Cup. And that's what Boston is trying to do this year. Pete, the regular season, fantastic. And Boston in a tier of its own. But in terms of that playoff pedigree, Tampa Bay knows what it takes. A huge matchup tonight in the Sunshine State between the Bolts and the Bees. Even on the money line, Pete, minus 110 for both sides. What do you expect from this showdown tonight in Tampa Bay? There's always bounce back appeal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. The season series has gone Boston's way so far. Two meetings in November, Boston won 5-3 and 3-1. Boston rarely loses this season. It's crazy to say that they literally are nearly unbeatable, especially when Linus Allmark is in the crease. So keep an eye on that. But Swayman's been playing better as well. Um, The problem for Tampa is that their star power matches up well, whether you're talking about Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Hedman, Kucherov, Point. It matches up really nicely with, uh, with, Tampa, with Boston. But with Boston, I mean, this is a three-line team. You see Taylor Hall playing on the third line. He's a former MVP of the league. Now, Marshan's healthy. Charlie McAvoy's playing at a Norris Trophy level. Like I said, Allmark is near flawless this season and oh yeah david posternak is having the best season of his career and is an mvp candidate you know with Connor mcdavid leading that race but posternak is not far behind uh if mcdavid was to deal with an injury at any point so i still give the edge to boston rest of season in this matchup until i see otherwise because they're just the deeper beast right now When you look at those odds, it should be no surprise that the team with 80 points right now in the regular season in the NHL is a minus 600 favorite to win the President's Trophy. But, Pete, they have overperformed on expectation, the 14th shortest price to be the top team in the regular season this year before the year got underway. That's where Boston was. So, Pete, what is the biggest reason you point to for the incredible success the Bruins have seen this season? Yeah, I mean, definitely their scoring depth, uh, their support on defense. They've gotten big contributions from Matt Grizzlick, Clifton, different guys like that over the course of the regular season. Hampus Lindholm, they acquired him at the tail end of last year at the deadline. He wasn't really producing points at that point, but he's like, you know, among the plus minus leaders in the league. He had a great start to the season where he was an elite uh, scoring defenseman when Charlie McAvoy dealt with injury. So really, it's just a combination of a lot of different 
great moves over the years. And then that still bedrock core of Marshan, Pasternak, Bergeron, I didn't even, even mention. They got David Krejci back in the offseason. Remember, he spent the year overseas, then came back, and he's been producing at around a point per game all season long in a secondary role. So that type of support has been huge. And then I didn't even mention uh, Pavel Zaka, who is one of their best even-strength point-producing forwards. Uh, they picked him up in the offseason in a low-key trade with the New Jersey Devils. It's worked out well for both teams because the Devils are a near-playoff team as well, likely playoff team. But uh, Zaka has been playing with Pasternak and David Krejci. That's an all-check line. We could call them the checkmates. And they've been an outstanding depth scoring line, probably the best second line in the entire NHL. And they don't have to load up top with that perfection line anymore. They have two elite lines, and that's probably the biggest reason why Linus Olmark gets so much goal support, and he's having a bounce-back season in his own right. Pete, I'm not sure if you came up with the checkmates, but we're giving you credit here live on the morning (laughs) after for that fantastic nickname. Pete, a huge night in the sport, in the nation's capital. The Caps host the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's Sidney Crosby versus Alexander Ovechkin. When you have two icons, Pete, at the highest level, still performing the way they are this season in the National Hockey League, how do you, just, how do you describe nights like tonight for the sport in general? Oh, yeah, both generational talents, both uh, better than a point per game this season. Ovechkin's up to 8 Uh, So it seems like if he keeps up this pace, we might be looking for him if he has like a 50-60 goal season next year that he could maybe catch Wayne Gretzky as early as the tail end of next season. So pretty incredible Mm -hmm. stuff there. Crosby's as good as ever. Uh, He's been healthy for the most part this season, which is great to see. So has Evgeny Malkin. Chris Letang came back. Remember, that's the big three that has like a 15-plus season playoff playoff, season. appearance streak and the trio has been together for that entire time so really one of the best trios in nhl history very quietly Sidney crosby malkin and letang and letang came back with a bang the other day he was dealing with an injury um his father passed away you know everybody was thinking about him for a while then he comes back and scores two goals and they win a seven six game in a playoff magnitude matchup against the florida panthers so Uh, This should be an outstanding matchup for the sport, like you said. Both teams have 56 points right now. The Pens better odds to make the postseason. Minus 600. The Caps, minus 112. Trying to get back to the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. Pete Jensen from NHL.com, the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast. Pete, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Thursday on the morning app. More of the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one the morning after live right here on this Thursday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, 
That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday. You heard from Sarah Elise live from Cincinnati earlier in this opening hour, giving you the Bengals breakdown and that perspective ahead of the AFC Championship game on Sunday night in Arrowhead. We hope to go to Kansas City in hour number two for the other side of that equation. But we are in conference title week here in the National Football League. Between the two games, the NFC title in Philly, the AFC title showdown in Arrowhead in Kansas City, Missouri, which will feature the most points. We want offense. We want scoring. So which one will have the most of that very point? That's what we asked you in Fade the Public. Which will be the highest scoring football game on Sunday? Will it be the first game up in Philly in the NFC Championship or the second game in the nightcap in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Bengals? That was the question at SportsGrid TV on Twitter, where you can still vote in this active and ongoing poll. And most people, unsurprisingly, going with Bengals and the Chiefs. That's a very big margin, though. At over 81%, only 18% or so of the vote to the 49ers and Eagles. Now listen, the over-unders are not all that different. 46.5 for the Birds and the Niners, 47 in a hook for the Chiefs and the Bengals. When you look at the odds, what will be the highest scoring game, there is that potential on the FanDuel Sportsbook to bet that weekly special as we get into conference championship weekend. The Bengals and the Chiefs, the slight favorites at minus 125, but the Niners and the Eagles also with a minus money price at minus 105. I think if you want to know my vote public to join you, I actually think it's going to be in Philadelphia between the Niners and the Eagles. Our number two, of the morning after is up next live right here on SportsGrid following a SportsGrid news update from Alex Fasano. Come back and join us.